You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So I want to start off by taking a look at the future a bit um, for a couple different reasons. Number one, I want to look at the question, is it realistic to expect the Packers to win the Super Bowl? Number two, what exactly is the playoff seeding right now? Because apparently, as I looked around, I know, I think ESPN has us the three seed. Um, I looked at Pro Football Reference. They have us as a three seed. NFL.com has us as a two seed. It should not be hard to figure this out. There are very specific rules as to how you seed teams, and not being able to figure out how to do this is kind of ridiculous. So why don't we start there? The first rule, obviously, is the division champion with the best record. So you go division by division and say who has the best record. Then among those four teams, which ones have the best record is how you rank them. The reason there's a question is because there's a tie between the Packers and the Seahawks who have the same record. The next tiebreaker is head-to-head wins. They have not played each other. They're not going to play each other this year prior to the playoffs, so that doesn't help us. So the number two way for a tiebreaker is... The best one-lost tied percentage in games played within the division. The Packers are 3-1, the Seahawks are 2-2, the Packers are the number two seed. Somebody had mentioned to me, I thought it was conference. First of all, it's not. Second of all, they're tied in the conference anyways at 6-2. And And it's it's not conference anyways next. So it's division second, then it's win-loss percentage in common games. Could look at it, but it's not really necessary right now. Um... Because we don't need to, because we already answered the question. The um, the Packers are the number two seed, so ESPN either is or was wrong. I don't know if they corrected it, Pro Football Network. And anybody else that said the Seahawks are above the Packers are incorrect. It's the Saints are the number one seed, the Seahawks, then the Rams, Bucks, Cardinals, 49ers, Vikings, Bears, Falcons, Detroit. I don't know why I called them Detroit instead of the Lions, but you got to mix it up sometime. Giants, Washington, Carolina, Philadelphia, Dallas. That is in order the NFC. Now, since we're here, and that is the official um, ranking of the thing, we can add CBS to that list, by the way, because I'm looking right now, and CBS has us as the three seed, because they're also stupid. Why is every, everybody is wrong about this? It's unbelievable. Again, very, very simple to figure this out. I don't know how everybody has the Seahawks ahead of the Packers. I don't get that. But anyways, as it stands, the Saints would have a bye, The number seven and number two seeds would be playing each other. That would be the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers. That would be the current matchup of things ended the way that they are today. I don't necessarily expect them to. But in terms of the matchups, obviously the Giants would be the most favorable, but that's not going to happen because we're going to win the division. And so we will not be playing any team that is in the NFC West because they will be going up against another wild card and they'll be getting smoked in the first round. So it's the number five seed that plays the number four seed and basically gets a bye facing an NFC West team. As it stands currently, it's the Rams, meaning the only two NFC games that are interesting are going to be Packers-Cardinals and then Buccaneers-Seahawks. I tend to think the Buccaneers are going to steamroll the Seahawks. I think the Rams will steamroll the Giants. I'm just not a big believer in the Seahawks right now, although I could easily go either way. 
The Packers-Cardinals is interesting because I do think the Packers are a much better team, but um, mobile quarterbacks scare me to death, and especially mobile quarterbacks um, that happen to be an NFC West team, which have a very extensive history of annihilating Packers in the playoffs, whether it be the 49ers, the Seahawks, or the Cardinals. Um, It's just kind of a perfect storm of awful. But anyways, assuming we go on to beat them, the number six seed, which would be the Buccaneers, would go on to face the Saints, which means it would be Rams-Packers, which is also not the greatest thing in the world. We're talking about a uh, dynamic defense, or excuse me, a dynamic offense and one of the better defenses so far in football, although I don't exactly understand how they're doing that. But you get the interior pressure of Aaron Donald, which is a nightmare. So it's not a fun path to victory. And then you have either the Bucks or the Saints. I don't think either of those are great matchups. I actually tend to think it's the Bucks. I know I've been kind of not super high on the Bucks, but you just look at their path. I don't really believe in the Seahawks and also the Saints. I don't think the Saints are going to get the number one seed. Let me put that out there because of the fact that Drew Brees is down. I know they're still really rolling. I know the defense is picking up some massive steam. And if Brees was still around, I would say that they have an incredibly good chance of winning the Super Bowl or at least getting there. But um, I just think there's too much volatility with not having Drew Brees around. So I would take the Buccaneers. And so the the path right now for the Packers, as I see it, would be beat the Cardinals, beat the Rams, beat the Bucks, and then you'd probably have to either face the Steelers or the Chiefs. So I mean, it's, that's a tough road, man. But again, that's just as it is today. Again, I don't. I think the Saints have got some losses coming up. Although most of the teams in the playoffs are facing just garbage teams. So you got Atlanta, which should be a win for the Saints. Although who knows? Divisional game. Atlanta occasionally shows flares of not being awful. And uh, again, no breeze. Philadelphia is probably going to be another win. Then they got Kansas City, which should be an, a loss for the Saints. You got Minnesota, which could be a loss for the Saints. And I actually think Carolina could also be a loss. So that final three, they may lose. Let's just say they lose two of them. The Seahawks have a pretty cake schedule. They've got a bunch of NFC West teams. Uh, and an, I'm sorry, NFC East teams and an AFC East team. You got Giants, Jets, and Washington. But then they got Rams, San Francisco. Uh, they're going to lose at least one of those. So again, I'm not a huge believer in the Seahawks, but I don't see very many losses just because the schedule is so ridiculously easy. But what that means is a subpar team is going to coast into the playoffs and get eliminated fairly quickly. That's the way I, I mean, again, it's still Seattle. It's still Russell Wilson and DK and, you know, there's some talent there, but I just, they just seem to be falling apart. I don't know if I'm doing exactly uh, backflips about beating Philadelphia 23 to 17, but we'll see. Arizona's actually got the Rams twice, which is tough, and I mean, we can just go ahead and assume the Rams got the Arizona Cardinals twice, so there's at least a loss apiece between those two teams, um, but then again, you got Philly, and the Philly is just the, every playoff team has to go through Philly for some reason. You got the Giants again, who are going to get beat up on, and you got San Francisco, so again, there's at least a loss in there. Tampa has Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, and Atlanta, so I mean, there's there doesn't have to be another loss for the rest of the season. There's just so many bad teams this year. I mean, they could lose to Minnesota, theoretically. Um, I don't see them losing to Atlanta or Detroit. And then the Rams outside of Arizona twice also have Seattle. um, And then the Jets in New England. So, I mean, one of these teams could easily... I mean, you could have the Rams theoretically lose two or three more games. Um, I think the biggest negative for anybody in this would be that uh, the guys looking from the outside trying to come in, like Minnesota, Chicago... They're going to have a hard time getting in because they don't just need to win. They need teams like the Rams or obviously the Packers to lose a lot of games, and I just don't really see it happening. There's not a lot of really tough 
teams coming up for these playoff teams. And even if the Rams fall two, they're still going to be uh, ten and six. Then you got the Packers. Obviously, the Titans are a tough matchup, but Philadelphia, Detroit, Carolina, and Chicago, that's four teams that are not playoff teams and one team that is a playoff team. That's what that's the reality of the situation right now. It doesn't guarantee wins. It doesn't guarantee wins for any team. But the fact of the matter is most of these teams are facing bottom-of-the-barrel teams getting in. So, again, you look at Minnesota, you look at Chicago, you look at the teams that are trying to break in, the 49ers. Um, geez, the Lions are number they're, – they're next on this list. That's just crazy to me. I mean, you, you get into bad team territory quickly. The Vikings, the Bears, the 49ers, and the Lions are the four teams closest to the playoffs right now. The Lions are 4-7. and seven. In fact, every team with a winning record is in right now, including one team that does not have a winning record. But, I mean, anybody that wants to even cry about the Giants shouldn't be in, it should be another team. Who? The 5-6 and six Vikings? No, you haven't earned anything. I mean, the fact that the Giants are in right now is ridiculous, but it's no more ridiculous than letting any other team that doesn't have a winning record in right now. Now, on the AFC side, you do have two teams, the Raiders and the Ravens, that are out, but they also don't have any bad teams in the playoffs. All the best teams are in right now. The AFC is just... I don't know if it's stronger or if there's just weaker teams in the AFC. The 0-11 Jets, the 1-10 Jaguars, the 2-8 Bengals, 3-8 Chargers. I mean, the worst team in the NFC is 3-8. I don't know. what It doesn't matter. So that's where it stands right now. Um, and that kind of brings us to the next question. Is it realistic, given this scenario, that the Packers are going to be in slash win the Super Bowl? And the problem is, and, and this is a problem with a lot of things, it's not defining our terms properly. And so we just start arguing about stuff, and I think we're kind of talking past each other because we don't know exactly what we're saying. But even sometimes if we want to define our terms and get specific, you go over to the dictionary and it doesn't really make things any better. So I had somebody inform me about a, I don't, I don't, I didn't even look at the argument. I don't know if it was heated or just a conversation or what happened. But something in the Facebook group about um, a Super Bowl being realistic. And so I started thinking about it, and then it dawned on me, I don't know exactly what that means. Because I started thinking, what, what exactly is realistic mean? So I, I googled the definition, and it does not help at all. Like, it helps, and then they throw in a little thing at the end, and it's like, no, that, that ruined it. So there's two definitions. The second one is less, um, less to do with what we're talking about here. The first definition is what we're talking about, and it says, having or showing a sensible and practical idea of what can be achieved or expected. So again, two people can have two different ideas of realistic and both can be correct. One person can say it's not realistic the Packers win a Super Bowl. The other person can say it is realistic to win a Super Bowl and both are actually correct and both can actually agree. But they're talking past each other because they're using two different definitions of the same word. Let me give you a specific example. Is it sensible and practical to think the Packers can win a Super Bowl? Yes. Is it sensible or practical to expect the Packers to win a Super Bowl? No. It can be achieved. It should not be expected. But now that we've defined the terms, let me kind of play within that for a minute. Saying that it it can't be achieved based on where the team currently is, is somebody either being hyperbolic, which is to say, you know, trying to overly state their case while completely choosing to ignore NFL history which I've gone through ad nauseum on this podcast and I'm not going to do again, go through the past Super Bowl winners. Look at where they stood. Look at their rank on offense, their rank on defense, how badly they've won, how, how badly they've lost, how big they've won. There's no scenario you can bring up to say, other than their record is you know 0-11, 
that this team can't win a Super Bowl. What is it? The volatility? Volatile teams win. Again, I've gone through this. Teams with, with you know, shaky defenses have won. Shaky run defense, shaky pass defense, shaky offensive production, you know, lack of offensive running, offensive pass. It doesn't matter the scenario. Now, there are probably scenarios where, you know, the 32nd ranked defense has never won a Super Bowl. Cool. The Packers aren't that, so what does that matter? Now, if we move over to expected, if you're saying it's it's stupid to expect the Packers to win, that's true. It's also stupid to expect the Chiefs to win or the, the Steelers to win. If you don't believe me, go look at Vegas. The people with billions of dollars on the line are not giving the Chiefs a 50% chance of winning the Super Bowl. They're not. It's slightly better than a 1-in-3 chance they're giving them. The Saints are next on the list. It's not even a 1-in-5 chance. The Packers, they're giving a 1-in-10 chance. But nobody has a 50% chance or a 51% chance. Meaning there shouldn't be any expectation of winning a Super Bowl because everybody is less than 50% chance of winning. In other words, for every single team that you isolate, if somebody lays down money that says, I bet this team will win a Super Bowl, the better money says, take the no. We're talking even money. Because again, if you expect it, it should be even money. You don't get a handicap if it's expected. If anything, you're the one that's handicapping it. You're giving up money on this. So again, I don't know what the conversation was. I don't really feel like looking it up. Maybe the word realistic is just the wrong word to use because depending on which one you pick, it doesn't really allow for a very good conversation. Can it be achieved? Everybody should agree yes. Should it be expected? Everyone should agree no. So realistic is a a bad word to use in terms of whether or not the Packers will, can win a Super Bowl, whatever. If we're talking about things that I think are too big of a hindrance for the Packers that will cause them to lose, that's fine. And I think every team has those, but again, as I've been talking about for a long time, it's just there, there's there's a pile of things that are going to help you win a Super Bowl. Having the best quarterback in football, is a that might be the biggest number one benefit to winning a Super Bowl, and the Packers happen to have that right now. Having the number one wide receiver in football, I don't know where that ranks, but it's pretty high. Having a lockdown corner, again, don't know where it ranks, but it's pretty high and it's important. Really good offensive line, that's going to help you best offense in football clearly that's going to be a benefit inconsistency that's a big negative because winning a super bowl is all about consistency so i mean every team is inconsistent to some degree but again how often do you completely fall apart once every 10 games once every two games once every 50 games once every five games and then it, it's it because that's not automatic right that's just an average the question is how many games in a row do you have to win so what are the odds you're going to be consistent enough and then on that day that you're inconsistent assuming one of those days pops up in the playoffs what are the odds you're going to have a bad day and still win so all those things factor in the packers have had bad days and won before like the jaguars or the defense has a bad day the offense overcomes it or the offense has a bad day and the defense overcomes it so all these things just play into a scenario and again every team has their own thing the cardinals have a terrible offensive line their quarterback is maybe top 10, but not top 5. And I say maybe top 10. He's mobile, which is great, but he's not the greatest thrower in the world. They don't have a very good run game, and their defense is not good at all. That's what the Cardinals are dealing with. The Packers have a bad run defense, that's true, and it's going to hurt them. But you know who has a worse run defense than the Packers? The Chiefs. They're ranked 26th, allowing 4.7 yards per attempt. They're also 16th in net yards per attempt passing, so they're below average in that category as well yeah but they don't allow a lot of points that's true because they dominate time of possession it's hard to rack up points when you you know are third in time of possession 
number one in plays per drive, number one in yards per drive, number one in points per drive. So their defense is also their offense, but the defense itself is not good. Because you can look at the stats compared to their overall points allowed. Look at the stats individually. Net yards per attempt. So when the when their team does have the ball and does throw, how well do they do? They do pretty well. When a team does have the ball and they run the ball, how well do they do? They do very well. Again, this is one of the worst defenses in football stopping the run. Does that mean they can't win a Super Bowl? Of course not. Steelers have the most dominant team uh, defense in football right now. They have not allowed a single game of 30 points. Although, to be fair, they've faced, what, one playoff team right now? I think they've faced one playoff team all year. That's the Tennessee Titans, and they won 27-24. They won by three points. They have not faced a single other playoff team this entire year. The next time they face a playoff team is going to be Week 14 against Buffalo. Then they have a team, uh, a game against the Colts, who are currently the number 7 seed, which means they're barely a playoff team. We'll see if they are by the time they get there, and then the Cleveland Browns, Week 17. So this is a little bit of a tougher schedule. The last four games, they have three playoff teams. They've only faced one in 11 games. They're only going to face one in 12 games because this week is against Washington. Now, I know Baltimore they've faced twice and won twice, and that's relatively impressive, but the fact of the matter is they're not a playoff team right now. They're 6-5. and five. They're third in their own division. They faced the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles. Oh, they did face the Browns once. I lied. And they, they annihilated the Browns. Uh, the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Jaguars, and the Ravens again. Games within seven points, the Broncos, the Texans, the Titans, the Ravens, the Cowboys, and the Ravens again. That's one of the things about really good defenses is you tend to win close games. It's one of the great things about a, a, a stiff defense. They've had a lot of close games. They've won all of them because the defense comes through in the clutch. Now, this is one of the worst rushing teams in all of football. It is also one of the worst passing teams. They are 22nd in net yards per attempt passing, 27th in net yards per attempt rushing, 3.8 yards per attempt. Ben Roethlisberger is also currently ranked 17th, one spot behind Justin Herbert at quarterback. He falls to 20th overall. That's just his passing grade. His overall grade as a quarterback is 20th. So to say the Steelers don't also have some massive hurdles to get over, like um, their offense is kind of garbage, um, I would say that they have some hurdles. Not impossible. Just like it's not impossible for the Packers, but everybody has hurdles. And once you start facing a bunch of playoff teams, unlike in the past where you faced two and you got three in the last four weeks, and then when you get into the playoffs, you face nothing but playoff team. Yeah, it's a rough road. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of football. And I, and I know for a lot of us, we don't see it as beauty. We see it as heartburn and headache and misery. You know, we why, why should there be all these obstacles? That's part of what makes a Super Bowl great is, first of all, all the bad teams are out. So all the fluff wins, which there's a ton of them in 2020 because there's so many horrible teams, that's over with. For the most part, again, the Rams basically get a bye or whoever's facing the Giants or whatever NFC uh, East team. But you, you have to overcome the negative aspects of your team to win a Super Bowl. You have to do that. I talked about the Chiefs. I didn't believe in the Chiefs because their defense was so bad. The defense in the playoffs in the Super Bowl came through in a big way. In fact, one of the, the things I did to point out how much the Chiefs were a joke was to laughingly point out that Bashad Breland, who was not a good corner... Um, was actually their number one corner. He had like two interceptions in the playoffs, and I think maybe one in the Super Bowl too. Just to, to, first of all, just to smack me in the face, but also to kind of prove the point that I'm making now. 
your weaknesses have got to start becoming strengths, which is why I've been saying we got to look at some of these mile markers. Not that everything has to be perfect to win a Super Bowl, but the weaknesses have to start toughening up because they're going to get exposed in the playoffs. You got better teams, you got better players, you got better coaches. These guys know what to do to attack your weaknesses, and if and if you allow these weaknesses to be your your Achilles heel, the thing that just takes you right out. In other words, if you hit this spot, we can't win, you're not going to win. You have to have a couple tools in your toolbox to overcome that, whether it be from the weakness side getting stronger and overcoming that, or whether it be your strength overcoming that weakness, i.e. either your defense toughens up and doesn't allow you to keep attacking their weakness, or your offense has to just overcome that and just dominate and score a bunch of points, or whatever the strength-weakness scenario is for your particular team or scenario that you built up in your mind. And, and again, the only thing I can say is you got to embrace that. Embrace that overcoming the struggles and the weaknesses is a part of, of winning a Super Bowl. You, the, the, the Packers are going to have weaknesses. They're going to have things that are not Super Bowl caliber. Every team in the NFL has aspects of their team that are not Super Bowl caliber, and those weaknesses could possibly cause them to lose a Super Bowl. Every playoff team has, has massive strengths. Again, minus the Giants. Even that's a little unfair, but I mean, they're, they're not good. But it's not about your strengths anymore. It's about your weaknesses, and it's largely about consistency. And again, this is why the Chiefs are such massive favorites all the time, because they just don't show a lot of weakness ever. They might not be their, their tip-top best. They might not be, you know, whatever, but they pretty much bring their A game every single week. And if you can overcome that, kudos to you. But if not, then you're just, you're not going to, and that's kind of what the Patriots always were. That's why they were so dominant for so long. They're always just going to give you their best. And if you play inconsistently, if you trip and fall, if you have a misstep or a mistake, you're probably not going to win. And the Chiefs have kind of taken that mantle right now. And that's, that's one of the things that makes them so good. Not because they don't necessarily have weaknesses, but they don't make a lot of mistakes. And the offense just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And that was a big thing we saw in the playoffs last year with the Chiefs as well. The defense did fall apart massively. I think twice the offense overcame that. So, I mean, it's, it's got to be something. In some way or another, you have to overcome adversity. The Packers are going to face adversity, and you got to start embracing that. We can't sit here and say, it's not perfect, so I'm not happy and I don't like this. It's never going to be perfect, ever. No matter how many guys we go out and get in free agency, no matter how many guys we get in the draft, no matter how much money we spend, no matter how many great coaches we hire, there's going to be problems that are going to be extremely frustrating. That's just the reality. Again, the Chiefs have it. It's just about overcome it. So, anyways, I need to take a break here. Make sure you join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you wouldn't mind following me on YouTube, I'm putting together... We'll see how it goes, but I'm planning um, on recording the podcast for tomorrow tonight so I can get up very early tomorrow and just do YouTube videos. So uh, it's going to be NFL draft-centric. Again, Coach Hahn has been kind of holding it down so that there's at least some content on there, but it is primarily a draft channel. That's where 95% of my subscribers and my views come from. So I want to kind of get back to that, especially since this time of year is when the draft stuff really starts to kick off, and I'm just completely missing it. So if you're interested in that, I am planning on doing a full first round as well as um, a handful of uh, seven-round mocks, team-specific. None of them are going to be Packers. I have done a Packers one, but we're not doing that uh, this week. I'm going with teams probably like one through five, who unfortunately have a ton of picks. But it is what it is. Uh, so Pack Daddy NFL is the YouTube channel if you want to check that out. Um, 2,500 is a pretty big milestone. I mean, I've got much bigger milestones in mind, but there are, let's just say that there are companies that will take on YouTubers 
or a company <laughs> that will consider taking on a YouTuber if you cross 2,500 and I'm at like 24 or 25. So I need like 75 more, which isn't that it really, I mean, YouTube is crazy, man. YouTube and podcasting are so different. If I put half the amount of energy into YouTube as I have in this podcast, I would be 10 times bigger than my podcast on YouTube. It just, it grows like crazy. Um, but the ad revenue isn't as good and it's 10 times the amount of work. So, uh, so here we are. But that would be greatly appreciated if you are a draft fan. Please check that out. Also, I'll throw this out there just as, as kind of a thing. If anybody is a draft fan or a Packers fan and you want to do some writing, reach out. There are a couple separate opportunities. Um, no guarantees. Looking for pretty specific people. And um, for the Packers one, I don't even make the final call, but we are looking for some people. The draft one is going to be much more specific and intensive, but... Um, there are some pretty big opportunities in both of them down the line. So if you're one of those kind of just hungry grinders that's willing to just eat dirt for a period of time, you know, I, I did this podcast for, I think, two years before I ever saw a dime. Getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, talking to a handful of people, getting nothing. And now I do this and make, you know, part-time job money so that I don't have to deliver pizzas. I get to talk about the Packers and make money. Those opportunities are out there. So again, if you're interested in writing about the Packers or the draft, hit me up. Otherwise, let's uh, take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Uh, as we zoom back in and look at the injury reports, not a ton of changes, but there are some notable ones. Obviously, Corey Lindsley still. I don't know why. They should just take him off this list. Um, but mostly the same. Mercedes Lewis went from limited to did not practice. That may be a veteran rest thing. I know it says knee injury, which is probably the primary reason for him being on here, but he generally is going to get a rest day anyways. You add in, we're getting later into the season, he has a knee issue. It makes sense that they're going to give him the day off. They do that pretty regularly for him anyways. 
Um, and the only other change is that Zadarius Smith was added to the injury report. He is limited with an ankle injury, so obviously that's not good. Um, so hopefully he gets some time to rest and heal and can get that ankle back uh, feeling good. The Eagles, kind of similar, not a lot of changes. Fletcher, Fletcher Cox and Ru- Rudy Ford, I mentioned Rudy, irrelevant because he's played like one snap all year. Fletcher Cox is a big deal, very similar to Akeem Hicks and the Bears. We saw how big of a difference that made without him, how successful the Packers were running the ball. Um, I do think a lot of that had to do with the Packers really just clicking and getting in sync, but no question, um, Akeem Hicks probably could have slowed that down a little better than what they currently had or or previously had. I don't know how to say that. Um, And they also added a relatively big name, although he's not having the greatest year ever, but Darius Slay was added to the injury report with a calf injury. Kind of a similar situation. Darius Slay hasn't been all that great, but their corners in general are not very good. That's what I said in the draft last year they should have got, but they went out and got a wide receiver. And they did add Darius Slay, but but the corners in Philadelphia are terrible. We'll talk more about it. I don't know. I guess because Thursday, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. Sunday may be a little bit more of an intensive kind of look, a preview or whatever. But um, the corners are are terrible. And right now, Darius Slay, who is 55th out of 125 cornerbacks, a basically perfectly average grade, is injured. That's the guy, and, and granted, he's never had that much success against Devontae anyways. That's the guy that's going to be tasked with trying to slow him down. Outside of Darius Slay, they've got their the guy with the second most amount of snaps, uh, Avanti Maddox. Horrible. 119th out of 125. Literally one of the worst, if not the worst, corners in all of football. He would be the new, essentially number one, although he's not the next best as far as grade. He has gotten the most snaps. After that is Nikel Roby Coleman, who is 98th out of 125, also doing really, really, really terrible. The only guy that's taken a single snap outside of those three guys is uh, Michael Jaquette, who has played 30 snaps this season. They've got two other corners on their uh, roster who have not played a single snap this season. So it is pretty, pretty bleak. Um, at the cornerback position. They do have a couple safeties that have played a little bit of corner. You got Mark Epps, Marcus Epps, who is not a starting um, safety right now as far as he's not one of the top two guys. That would be McClode and Mill. But Epps is sort of that in-the-box safety. Uh, played a handful of snaps, a little less than 10% in the slot, about, I don't know, 3% out wide. So maybe they go that route and try to bring a safety down into the slot or something. I don't know, but it's it's even with Darius Slay, it's bleak in their ability to try to slow down the Packers' aerial assault. Um, it's almost going to be impossible for them to not double up Devontae, which unfortunately for the, the Eagles means that you have to kind of put your other guys out on an island. You have another safety that has to play single high, which is a nightmare against a guy like MVS. Because if we can just send MVS down the field and that safety feels the need to pull to that direction, you basically have zero safeties. You can't do that. You can't have zero safety. I mean, you, you can't have Alan Lazard just streaking down the field with no safety help. Or, I mean, Aaron Jones, for that matter. Aaron Jones on a linebacker, he, Aaron Jones is going to win. I mean, how embarrassing is that going to be to have a, a running back get a 40-yard reception down the field? So, I mean, the, the, the point is it's it's complicated, and, and if you have a really good defense, maybe you can get away with it, and it definitely helps if you have a better front, which they don't have the worst front in the world, but again, you got one of the top guys up front is hurt. 
The Packers' uh, offensive line has been fantastic. The fact that they just played Khalil Mack and, and didn't give up a single sack is not great news for the Eagles and their ability to affect this game. So the, the point that I'm trying to make is if you're the Eagles' defensive coordinator, you are really not happy about going up against the number one offense in football right now especially with two guys that are critical to your defense. As good or bad as they may be, they're still critical to this defense being hurt. And kind of similar to Zadarius Smith, just the fact that they're limited and probably will play doesn't mean they're not still hurt. Darius Slay at 80% is a nightmare for the Eagles. I mean, Darius Slay at 100% is iffy. Darius Slay at 80% is just going to be horrible, especially with a guy like Devontae, who's all about his cuts and being super quick doing this that and the other thing if you've got a lingering lower body injury whether it be an ankle or a calf or a toe or a knee or anything like that it's it's not going to feel good trying to cover Devonte. so you know i mean it, look the game could go either way there's always a way to overcome the weaknesses but the fact of the matter is the eagles are what they are for a reason and it's because they can't overcome their weaknesses that's a big theme in football in general not just in the playoffs you know again look at look at these steelers it's not that they don't have weaknesses it's that, it's that they've done a fantastic job overcoming that and um, largely, really good defenses are going to help you win those close games. If the Eagles had a really sound defense, they'd probably have a couple more wins. But but the identity of this team, which generally is an extremely stout defense, especially up front, is starting to wane. That's one of the one of the quickest ways for a team to start falling apart is for your identity to start kind of well, start losing your identity. That's why you know the Bears shifting to trying to be an offensively focused team is not a good idea. I mean, in general, it probably is. You want to go that way, but there's just something weird about Bears' DNA. They're a strong defense, and you got to play into that. Packers trying to be a defensive team. That's never going to happen. Now, trying to get a better defense is fine, but your offense needs to be the focus. I mean, even the Vikings, they've got a dominant offense right now. I mean, they've got maybe the best running back in football. They've got two of the best wide receivers in football on their team. Right now, PFF has them as number two and number three. I don't know if I've ever seen a duo that good before. Kirk Cousins is like a top five quarterback right now via PFF. Nobody wants to give him credit for that. But I've been saying since he's been a Viking, he's been solid. Vikings fans, I think, get more mad about that than anything. They want him gone. I don't really understand that at all. So why aren't they just dominant? Because the purple people leaders are focusing on offense and their defense is completely imploded. Their defensive head coach doesn't have a defense anymore. So they're very, very talented in certain aspects, but they got way too far away from their identity, not on purpose. I mean, maybe a a little bit of carelessness, some bad drafting, um, COVID with Pierce, injury to Daniil, getting rid of Everson Griffin, you know, you call that what it is. He's having a bad year, but who's to say he would have been that bad with the Vikings? They may have really needed him. You know, paying to get Yannick Ngakwe was an absolute disaster. So, I mean, there's been a lot of front office faux pas. But at the end of the day, they they have a really strengthened offense. They've worked fairly hard at building up the offensive line, which is used to be one of the worst in football, is nowhere near that. They're not dominant, but they, they're not pathetic anymore. Um, and so they've, they've clearly moved in a direction away from their identity, and it is blown up right in their face. Um, the Lions, I think, are very similar. Not that the Lions were ever that good, but that, that's a team that just is, when they're good, it's their offense. And they went out and got a defensive head coach. They tried to build up the defense. The defense seemingly got worse, and the offense is stagnating, and now it's just a complete joke of a team. We'll see what happens when uh, Bevel takes over. 
He's an offensive guy. He's been in the NFC North for a real long time. He was the Green Bay Packers quarterback coach from 2003 to 2005. He was the Vikings offensive coordinator from 2006 to 2010. And then obviously he went to uh, Seattle where he kind of made a name for himself over there from 2011 to 2017. So he's, he's got a reputation. And now he's got the reins. Not, not, I mean, you know, I think it'll help the Lions. It's not, I don't think, going to get him in the playoffs. But, um, again, it's just, it's the, it's the identity. He also went to college in Wisconsin. I didn't know that. It's kind of cool. But anyways, again, the, the Eagles are, they're just, they're just kind of falling apart. You know, it's one of those things where you, you try to fix one thing and two things break. And the thing you tried to fix didn't work. Right? You went out and got Darius Slay. Darius Slay fell off. So your corners are not better. You drafted a wide receiver because you want your wide receivers to be better. Jalen Rager is 105th out of 124 wide receivers. He's been pretty terrible. Now, Fulgham is their, you know, best wide receiver right now. That was a 2019 pick. So, I mean, at least, at least you got that going for you. But, again, it's just, you're, you're, it's not even one step forward, two steps back because they're, they're not even, they're trying to take a step forward. They slip and fall and fall down the stairs. That's kind of the cycle that they're in right now. And so, again, the dominant defensive line is falling apart. The linebackers are not good. Right? Again, T.J. Edwards was a guy, the guy out of Wisconsin, looked real promising last year. He's not that promising. And so you got Nathan Jerry, you got T.J. Edwards, you got Alex Singleton, uh, you got Duke Riley. They're all really bad. Uh, the safeties are mediocre at best. The corners are terrible. Your offense, I mean, your quarterback took about as big of a fall off a cliff as, as, as you can find. Your wide receivers have fallen off. Last year, it wasn't that bad. You had uh, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey were not the worst duo in the world. This year, horrible, horrible group, which, I mean, they're getting older. But again, that completely fell off a cliff. At the same time, you got wide receivers that are not contributing. By the way, how many people that are screaming we should have got wide receivers are banging the table for Jalen Rager real hard? Not to say we could have got him, but just, just another example. Jalen Rager was a really highly touted guy. I was huge on I love Jalen Rager. And he may still become a good wide receiver, but right now he is putrid. Um, trying to fix the run game, bringing in Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard just, I mean, granted, he hardly played at all, but I mean, even when he was playing, not good. You got Miles Sanders, you got Boston Scott. None of these guys are doing anything. I mean, Miles Sanders isn't the worst in the world, but he's, he's kind of just, he's a smaller, he's 5'11", 215. I guess 215 isn't that small, but I mean, he is just, he's a horrible blocker, a horrible receiver. He's just a between-the-tackles runner. I mean, man, Richard Rodgers is the highlight of your whole flipping team. I mean, that, that says a lot. Brandon Graham and Richard Rodgers, that's it. That's all you got. That sucks. So, I mean, I, I, I don't want to super understate this. The Eagles weren't a great team last year, and we got pummeled by them. Um, it's a team that kind of lines up well against the Packers. The problem is even those things that line up well, like having a dominant offensive line, the offensive line is falling apart. That was another identity thing for them. I mean, Jason Kelsey is still there, and he's still very good, but he's ranked eighth right now. He's So if we just look at where he's at, first of all, he's 33 years old. If we follow the trajectory since 2017, which was his best year, his grade since 2017, 94, 87, 81, 72. First, 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 eighth. He's gotten progressively worse every single year, and this is a giant drop from 81 to 72. Again, he's still a very good football player, but, I mean, he's ranked eighth. Corey Lindsley's number one. It's it's a pretty big drop, even from Lindsley's standards. And nobody's running around saying, we know we're going to win because we have Lindsley. Nobody has said that in the history of the universe. So why would you say it about the eighth-ranked center for the Eagles? The, the you know, they got Nate Herbig, I think was an undrafted free agent um, in uh, 2019. 
at guard. You got Jason Peters, another one, real big name. Everybody's real excited about him. The guy's 30, he's going to be 39 very soon. He's also having the worst year of his career since 2005, which was his rookie year. Still a, a, a scary football player, but I mean, he's clearly showing signs of, of regression here. And if it's not Nate Herbig, it's Suamalo, uh, Mylata, and Pryor. You heard of any of those guys? Suamalo is their left guard, Mylata is their left tackle, and Pryor is their right tackle. Again, completely falling apart. So, anyways, um, again, probably end up doing the kind of full in-depth look at the team on Sunday because, again, we have plans for tomorrow. Um, I'm going to have, the plan is right now, we'll see how it goes, JJ is going to interview me for the Packernet Podcast. So if you have some questions, I put a post up in the Facebook group, and I put a post up on Twitter. You can reply to either of those. He's going to be monitoring that. Just to kind of mix it up, just do something a little bit different, a little bit fun, see how uh, see how it goes. And so that'll be tomorrow's episode. So anyways, be on the lookout for that. But I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. Always feels so good to say that. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.